Premier Christian Newscast. It's now pretty well known that most churches in Britain are largely filled with white faces. Clearly, there are hundreds of thousands of believers from other ethnic backgrounds, but on the whole, they tend to worship in their own separate churches. In an era when we are more and more aware of racial injustice and lingering prejudice, can we just accept this as it is? Should church leaders be striving to make their congregations more multicultural and ethnically diverse? And how can we lead well and lead sensitively over a racially mixed church family? I'm Tim Wyatt, and this is the Premier Christian Newscast. This week, I'm handing over the show to Emma Fowle from Premier Christianity magazine. Emma has been fascinated by these questions and more, and so recently gathered a panel of diverse church leaders to dig into the challenge of how to build thriving, racially diverse churches. And next month's Premier Christianity magazine will include a written feature drawing out some of the highlights of this conversation and our guests' insights. So do look out for that in print or online. Anyway, over to you, Emma. Hopefully, like you, you're all happy with what we're doing today. Basically, we're just going to have a chat. That's that's all it is really about um, some of the challenges, questions that people might have uh, about running a diverse church. Well, um, where this has come from, I don't know if some of you might have seen it. A couple of issues ago, we did a big Windrush um, 75 special edition, which was amazing. And we had Richard Reddy guest edit it. And it was, it, for, for me particularly, that was sort of very much... We've been we've definitely been on a journey as a mag over the last couple of years, like like most other parts of the church. We recognise we don't always cover the full breadth of um, the church really well. And we wanted to do more and do better. And a lot of the discussions that sort of came out of the various articles in that were about like how we need to do like diverse church better. And then we kind of realised that probably for a lot of our readers who are white church leaders, it's all very well people saying, let's do diverse church better but for some of them they'll just be like I, I don't know where to start so we thought it'd be really nice actually to get some people around the table with different experiences from different parts of the country different backgrounds um, different denominations to just talk about their own experiences to talk about some of the issues the challenges and and that could sort of you know yeah talk about some of the things they've done as well like practically helpfully so yes yeah, so yeah. that's where we are um, Mohan, do you want to go first? Would you introduce yourself, please? Sure, sure. So I'm Mohan Sivratnam, uh, and I'm a bivocational church leader within the Anglican Church. So I work part-time as a GP, uh, and for four years, um, I led a church plant, an in intentionally intercultural church plant called Mosaic, uh, which now we've now actually gone into the main church as part, as an, and I'm now assistant there and trying to trying to bring into what I would say intercultural values we'll discuss the term intercultural values into that and into that space and that, that church plant was intentionally one of the visions was about being intentionally intercultural and we'll talk about that, uh, what, that what I mean by it <laughs> and maybe other people mean right yeah. Mahan, could you just tell us where mosaic is in the country yeah so we're in Harrow northwest yeah North, northwest London in in Harrow uh, yeah, which is a very obviously 
multi-faith and multi-ethnic mm-hmm. place. Yeah. Very nice place. <laughs> that's a school is the school is everyone thinks of the school but there is other bits of arrow that are not as posh <laughs> right steve could you introduce yourself yeah i'm a i'm i'm my, my name is steve derbyshire i'm the senior pastor of city gates church in ilford east london essex well it's essex but it's east london uh, i'm an elam minister i've been ordained for what 40 years now as an ordained minister um prior to prior to going to prior to coming to Wilford I'm I you know uh, I have a drug background I was a heroin addict and I was brought up in St Helens in Merseyside uh so I'm not Scouse but I was brought up in Merseyside and then I got saved in 75 and uh Immediately, everybody could see that I had a call and I was the last one to see it, basically. So I went away to Bible College. I uh, used to call them Bible Colleges then um, in Cape or came back to 10 years in St. Hannes and then moved down to City Gates in 1992. And I came from a completely monocultural background. OK, uh, St. Hannes is a very mining, working class town um, and uh, both uh, so we came in 1992. My wife, Julia, comes from Guernsey in the Channel Islands. So again, we weren't used to d- that much diversity. And uh, But we came uh, we came to East London, where it was, uh, we put up a church that was really mainly Ghanaian, of all things, because um, we kind of opened the door for the Church of Pentecost to come into the country, and they established themselves with us. Um, so, but then I had to kind of, after a while, I had to see that that had to change uh, because it was just, it was mainly Ghanaian and that wasn't the type of church that I wanted to lead. I wanted to lead a multicultural or, or intercultural church. And so I've had to learn a lot over the years. I've been there for 30 years, 31 years in January and uh, I'm the board member of Teen Challenge London as well. And uh, so, so it's been a real learning curve, but fantastic, fantastic. I just, it's been such a fantastic adventure. Right. And Olivia, would you introduce yourself and tell us? What yes, you- I'm Olivia Amate. I'm the executive director for the Elim Pentecostal Group of Churches in the UK and Ireland. Um, I'm also an ordained minister. Um, and my background is in the NHS. So I've been a senior leader in the NHS for many years before taking early retirement and coming across to work in Elim, where I work as their executive director, as I've just mentioned, and also um, associate minister of a church plant in Birmingham, North Birmingham. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should probably, me- you're obviously not going to big yourself up. So we should also probably mention that you were the first black female member of the Elim national leadership team i'm not on the national leadership team yeah i'm not actually on the national leadership team that'll be a surprise to the whole movement wouldn't it so i but i do work as their executive director so they're my bosses they're the board of directors and i'm sort of the equivalent of of the the ceo the equivalency you know executive role yeah well, thank you guys for all joining me today. We're here because we're going to be chatting about what it means to actually practically build a diverse church. We've 
um, for some of our listeners and readers that will be in all sorts of ministry contexts right across the UK. Some like I personally, I live down in Cornwall. Um, I go to a quite a small AOG church. Our, our church is fairly representative of our local community, as in there are nearly no one here that is not white. Um, up for other people, they'll be ministering in different contexts and different communities. And as we sort of try to look at what the Church of Christ should look like in, in reflecting Jesus in all his glory, we thought that this was, you know, a really important conversation. We bandy around a lot of terms and we, we've used several of them already in the short time that we've been together on this call. Interethnic, multi-ethnic, intercultural. Can we just start by just just talking a little bit about that? What does it mean to build a diverse church and why should we care about it? I can kick off. I'll kick off and I'm sorry, just only because it's part of the vision. This is what inspired Mosaic. And for me, um, so just a little bit about my background as well. So I'm of Sri Lankan Tamil ethnicity, but I was born and brought up in London. And one of the challenges growing up was, was I British? Was I Sri Lankan? And trying to hold those, <laughs> hold those two. Um, and it was coming to faith in Christ to say that I could be both uh, Sri Lankan and British and, and embrace those, but embrace. And my wife is white British. She grew up in Africa, Kenya. Uh, and so we we bring a lot of, we all have different cultural history as, as, as uh, Olivia and Steve have shared. But for me, it's the heavenly vision that inspired Mosaic that um, and still inspires me around, you know, mm. that that we will be drawn uh what we don't know many things about heaven don't know whether there'll be football or cricket or what type of food we'll eat but we do know that we will be gathered from every nation tribe and tongue in worship in unity and diversity and uh and uh one of the visions of Moses, well our strap line was we are a community celebrating christian unity and cultural diversity on earth as it is in heaven and i think that has to be, for me, that has to be every church's aim. It's not, it's not just some sideline thing, but this is what we we uh, want to be aiming for. That if it's not biblically or theologically envisioned, if it's it's not it's not just our whim because we like it, but actually it's something that is driven by scriptures, deliver deliver well, and driven by the Holy Spirit and God. Yeah, over to Stephen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I see. I mean, it's similar, isn't it? I mean, everything, everything is um, is a vision of what what uh, the church should be. Um, and I know that the church in heaven is going to be like that more, than, but when it comes down to the church on earth, it's slightly different, isn't it? Really? <laughs> exactly. We want to bring we want to bring heaven on earth, don't yeah. we, Steve? We want to bring heaven yeah, on earth. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you know as well as I, you know, from the New Testament, yeah, sure. they have problems there as sure, well sure. with yeah, yeah, yeah. with ethnicity and you know all these kind of things. So, so our, my vision, our vision, when I say our vision. Um, um, is to represent the constituency that we're in. I'm talking in a very practical term here. So I live in Ilford and I've seen a massive change over the years in Ilford. It's mainly Muslim. Where I live, it's mainly Muslim. So that's a big challenge for us. Um, but we have, like most London churches, we have lots of nationalities, lots of African nationalities, lots of 
islands on the Caribbean. And uh, also, you know, we have Filipinos and all kinds of things. But really, uh, when it comes down to it, it's actually like casting the local vision for the church, really what we're trying to do. And of course, we are trying to build a church that is, um, that is interracial, that we are, that we are uh, learning to relate to one another. And, uh, um, and I, think, I think one of the blessings as a white leader in a setting like that um, is that uh, there's less kind of, there's more understanding of one another because we've got to understand one another. Um, we've got to try and understand one another. And when it comes down to culture, I'm finding after 30 years that I'm just touching the surface on, in some areas of culture. Mm -hmm. Just, just great. And I've got, I understand that. I understand that. So, um, so I've just got to kind of, uh, I've just got to work a way around that. And uh, so when I went to Ilford, I, I've never decided anything. I've never decided to be a part of the national leadership team. Uh, I've never desired, I've had offers of many jobs within my denomination, but my only desire is to build a local church. That's my only desire. And so when I came to Ilford, I thought, this is where God has planted me and these are the people that I've got. So I started to intentionally develop leadership from within. Uh, and we have so many different nationalities, but I've only ever called one person from outside to come and join me. Every leader that I've developed is from within the church, which is incredible. Uh, like my, my eldership, I have Sunil on the eldership that uh, Olivia knows. I have uh, a number of, of um, different nationalities. It's well represented. You know, so that's, I'm talking in a practical sense because I'm a practitioner. You know, I'm just trying to just work all this out locally. And that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, and I've, I've heard lots of people reflect that, like basically saying if, if we want to do a um, an intercultural and interracial church well, then it, it has to be a reflection at all levels, including leadership. And that that is absolutely vital that you've got people sitting around the table with the power to make decisions that reflect your congregation, honestly, rather than it power being constantly concentrated in that the hands of the few white middle-aged men that um, the church has historically been accused of uh, keeping at those levels is that something that I mean you've you've just talked there Steve about how you've managed to to raise that has that always been easy um, and I'd, I'd be interested to hear other people's op opinions as well or is that something you've had to work hard on over the years to, to as it always just reflected everybody well, I mean any form of leadership is not easy Whatever we are, it's hard and it's difficult. Um, but again, I just look for people's giftings and qualities and character. And I work with that, really. And I'm at a stage now that, yeah, I, I, I mean, I studied and I've, I've been to different nations. I've been to Ghana, I've been to Elmina. I've been, I've, you know, I've understood about what has happened in in the different nations in the Caribbean, which is quite shameful. And, uh, but I've tried to understand all that. I never will, but just try to get an understanding of, of where people are coming from. That is the thing. And if you are trying to raise any leader, especially, especially uh, you know, people from different cultures, you've got to sit down, you've got to be intentional, you've got to spend time 
For example, I have one of my closest friends is a Sierra Leone guy, and his name is Chris, and uh, uh, he was he's a converted Muslim, and uh, the first thing he said to me, "Oh, I'll carry your bags," I said. The black guy is not carrying my bags, okay? It's as simple as that. That's not going to happen. But I remember saying to him, you are going to be traveling with me extensively in the future, Chris. And it was it was just so culturally, it was just... So we invited him for six weeks for a meal, and we really got to know him. We had to break that, you know, down. And, uh, and uh, so it's just things like that. We've had to really just open ourselves up and we've all opened ourselves up for correction because at the beginning it's not happened for years and years but maybe i said one or two things that were a little bit naive i didn't mean in any way but i've the moment i said it uh, it's not been in any i just expressed myself in the wrong way i've had to go and i've had to kind of say well, tell me why that was wrong i want to learn from those situations as a white guy i'm talking about so it's just humbling yourself really and um and, and humbling yourself and, and just saying, listen, guys, I, I just want to be your pastor. I really want to be your pastor. I want to develop you and developing people of leader. For example, the white lives, the, the black lives matter. That was a difficult one for me because one or two of the stuff, things emerged in that. And I had to spend hours just talking it through with people, you know, just because that was a difficult situation for me because I just didn't know how to respond to that really because it was but I did have a forum the same as everyone else I had Leroy Logan on there I had a few people on there and I had a couple of Asian people on there as well not just black but Asian and it was a good time so it's it's just trying to work it your way through but it's 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 the same there's a basic pastoral approach here that you love people you care for people you pastor people and uh, you know you serve people, and that's what I've done over the years. Really tried to do. For you, Mohan, I'm assuming it was slightly different because you intentionally set out to create something very specific when you created. My Tell us what that looked like. Yeah, but, um, <clears throat> I think we're yeah because this is the whole intercultural interethnic thing. Is a, is a new it's a new missiological challenge really for the church. It, uh, of course, we've always had people from different nations and cross cultural mission and so on. But I think when you get so many different nationalities living in a one space or different ethic, that 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 this is a, a new sort of sociological phenomenon. So we're all pioneering and learning in that. And as uh, Steve said, it's partly attitude. You know, attitude is key to the whole thing. It is biblical attitude of humility and sacrifice and servanthood and if we don't have that and which is what you say for any church uh but for, for for us i and learning um part of my experience as well it, i think unless you are intentional and name it as intentional exactly. uh, as an intentional value you're not yeah. it's not every church will say yeah we're welcoming and we're inclusive of all people i don't think there's a, probably a church that wouldn't say that but actually what does that mean you know what does that actually mean when it when you hi ben drill down to what you're you know what you are doing so for for me it was you know thinking through the chat you know 
going back to that heavenly vision, we say we're drawn from every people, tribe and tongue. But my experience was in the church that never I'm, I've had good experiences of being welcomed by people of different. Yeah. But actually, I never saw it as a good, a, a really good model or not that I'm not that mosaic. Was it? But I, I thought what, what you know, we pay lip service to it. But actually, what does it mean to be drawn from every nation, tribe and tongue and and to live? and live in that, you know, in that community of, uh, and so we said we wanted to be, to name it as an intentional thing. So uh, leadership was one thing. We wanted to be a, a diver that the church leadership ref, reflected, like she said, the, 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 the high street that we're in Harrow and, and that our community reflected the high street in Harrow. Because that if we're not, that's not our aim then we're not uh we're not representative and uh we also had things around cultural cultural issues so we said we want to decrease cultural distance so we want to decrease the cultural distance that someone has to go to find faith in christ they don't have to leave their culture to find a home uh, and to find jesus and to be part of our family that but we welcome that but also we want to increase the cultural intelligence of all of us because what we all need to learn uh, from one another uh, and also cultural honoring and cultural celebration as well. Uh, uh, and that people would feel, com you know, have comfort. So food, you know, what a bit. So we did bring going on to the service, you know, we wanted people to bring whoever they were, whether you were born in Yorkshire or St. Ellen's or, you know, we want to bring, we want, we want to celebrate that and honor that and that is part of who we are and uh you know bring it for the so we said uh, like we now bring and share we bring your heart food uh for this for the blessing of the people you know what what gives joy to you in your heart what food you like to share bring it to share with it if that if that sausage rolls or samosas or jerk chicken you bring it we'll share it we'll celebrate it together and uh and enjoy it together so that's what we try to and it was you know it was it, it's been a great journey you know I think there's lots of mistakes on the way and like there's lots of challenges as Steve said but I think if we don't if if we aren't intentional there's something about us being purposeful in this approach and 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 unfortunately the, ch the church yeah this is I'm talking about mainstream church unless we embrace this as as intentional it won't it won't get them the important trackage and mileage that that it needs really we have to be that intentional yeah mm -hmm. uh, and that's for every leader every ethnic ethnic leader we have to be mm. intentional about it yeah. yeah great well let's just uh pause there and welcome ben hi ben hi ben, hello, ben. Come and join us hello hello how you doing i'm ap apologies for no worries so Ben, just for the radio audio, could you introduce yourself um, and what you do and yeah, yeah sure. this discussion? Yep. Um, my name is Ben Lindsay. I am CEO and founder of a charity called Power the Fight. We empower communities to end youth violence. Um, I'm also an author of a book called We Need to Talk About Race, Understanding the Black Experience in White Majority Churches. And I'm also a PhD candidate at Durham University looking at the lack of cultural sensitivity in teaching and uh, teaching practices. 
is that mainstream like like uh secondary state education or yeah yeah it's, it's yeah. looking at secondary schools and um teacher training really and just trying to examine um our how our teachers trained into mm. into diverse communities yeah, I that think, would be interesting and i don't think it's just about teaching i think we could mm. hopefully it's a transferable study to pastors and vicars and police officers and social workers and all types of things so in three years time i'll let you know how it all goes so uh, when you do your dissertation are you going to publish that oh definitely <laughs> definitely yeah because that would be interesting reading that would be really interesting reading i hope so um i think there's a lot there there's a lot of work we do around cultural sensitivity with Fright already um but i think something with teachers a lot of the teachers we engage with are struggling to understand the communities that they are serving mm. and um, there's some sense some reasons why oh and mm. yeah maybe yeah. that that leads into ch- you could <coughs> with church leaders and we'll uh, come on to that today yeah, <laughs> so yeah so basically what we've started doing is just just started to talk loosely about um, what it means to lead churches well in britain today which is very multicultural and looks very different from how it did um, maybe 50 years ago some of the challenges we'd like to talk I'd, lo- I'd really like this to be a sort of a helpful conversation for church leaders who perhaps uh, have a fairly low bar where they're starting with this that don't understand that feel a little bit overwhelmed mm. um, so I think that would be a really nice place to start for people who are like I, I sometimes I'm even worried that I use the wrong terminology what does it look like um, for you Ben how do you see that? Um, Mohan's already said he uses the word intercultural. Um, Israel chose into ethnic. Um, does it matter to you? Is it important that we understand these terms properly? Where where do you sit on on that? And which one would you plump for? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and I think the, the problem with all these different terms is that they will mean different things to different people and depending on your cultural context. So I think um, context is really important. Um, And I'll give you an example. Um, I think most black people in 2023 would agree that the term coloured isn't the way that we would want to talk about black people. But in the context of talking to a South African person, that is still a term which Mm. some use to describe themselves. And I've been in those moments where I've kind of said, like, you know, we don't use that term. But then, in a particular context, um, it can be seen as acceptable. And therefore, when you start talking about multiracial, inter-ethnic, I think all of those terms will can mean different things all those terms depending on the context are appropriate but I think when you have to decide who are you talking to and talking about if we're talking about leadership and we're talking to people who are set in the culture I think it is very important that we we work out kind of the the terminology which is which is going to help enhance what we're trying to achieve I think if you're talking to the average person on 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 the street in 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 whom who who's a member of the congregation, 
I don't know if it, if it matters to them too much. I think, you know, are you demonstrating a sense of love and belonging in, in that, in, in, in your context? Um, and it's very much in, in my world when I'm engaging with kind of mayors and violence reduction units and stuff like that, I often have to remind these people that you can come up with acronyms galore, VRU and PRG and, uh, public health approaches and all this type of stuff. The communities don't know these things and they don't really care about this stuff. So I think we've got to be careful that we don't get too caught up in, in the detail of, of, of terms. But I think when you're talking about policies and you're talking about things which really do um, have the power to direct the lives of, of people in, in the church context, I think a, a consensus, a common a consensus really does make a, make a difference. My, my my ultimate thing I'd say is when you're having that consensus, who is around a decision-making table? What does that decision-making table look like? Is it all a bunch of white people deciding what we should call black and brown people? Or is it actually truly mixed? Is it is it just middle-class people around that table or is it working-class people as well? So my, my thing is whatever the term you, you, you come to, just make sure that the decision-making table represents the community that you are serving. Right. Olivia, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with what Ben says, actually, and I've been listening to the conversations pretty, pretty intently. And it's very easy for us to be distracted by terms, multi-ethnic, you know, inter-ethnic, intercultural, multi I, I get it and I understand it. And sometimes it feels like it's a bit of an academic exercise. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying it can feel like that because what the experiences of the person on the ground is, is what matters. Do <laughs> they feel like they belong? You know, when my parents came to the UK from Jamaica, mm. they back in the 60s, late 50s, early 60s, uh, they were the original Windrush generation, right? They're, they're the Windrush generation. And when they came and wanted to go to a church, and to find a place of worship, they found no place where they could belong. Now, I understand, you know, that they would be perhaps people that would stand out a mile in, in very many ways. But that caused them to then have to find a place where there would not be multi-ethnic community. It would be a place where <laughs> they felt that they belonged and there were people that looked like them and felt, could understand their, you know, their culture, etc. And I feel in a way that we've gone in, I know that we're trying to, to I understand trying to develop multi-ethnic churches and inter-ethnic, whatever you call it. But there sometimes there's a there's a almost like a recalibration of am I in a place where, where I feel comfortable? Especially with the growth of racism in certain certain places and spaces. So we, we've got to, it almost feels for me we've gone a little bit backwards and we have to work doubly hard to make sure that people feel comfortable um, and feel welcomed regardless of where that may be I, I would feel welcomed wherever I it doesn't matter who's leading as long as I feel welcomed <laughs> as a black female and I think that's important to look at I think that's right would you unpack that a little bit more what do you mean when you say you think that we've gone a little bit backwards so, so I feel, and this, this is just me, 
and and I'm just going to give my experience as a black female. So I'm not expecting anyone to concur with that. The George Floyd thing. I have never felt more angry in my life. I've never felt that before. Now, of course, everybody did because Steve alluded earlier to the multiple platforms that we were all invited on. Those of us who who have a voice sometimes invited on to take part in so that we could talk about it again (laughs) and to talk about racism again and how it impacts us again. And, and so I just felt I was, I I remember saying at one of the, um, one of the talks that, that came out as a direct result of that horrific killing really on our screens I remember saying, I'm tired of talking about it, actually. And that was facilitated by people who wanted to know. And they were usually white people who wanted to know. And they, you know, people were saying sorry all over the place. And that was great. But it wouldn't assuage my anger. Because I felt, we've been here. We keep talking about it. And if people can't accept the, who we are, what on earth is the point? So, and it's the first time I've ever protested as well and been on marches and all sorts of things. And I feel that the back, we, we, we almost feel, I mean, we to look at football, sport, all of that, you know, we, there's been so much effort put into saying that we are all, we're all the same, we're all different. We're all the same, we're all different. And there's so much effort into, into looking at all of those things that we, we, we've expended a lot of energy on them and I thought we were moving forward, it's 2023. And in fact, it feels like we've taken a, a couple of step, steps backwards. Mm. And now we're having to start again, the conversation again, not, not from the same place, I, I, I would argue, from where mm. my, my parents came in the 60s, when I was the first, one of the first um, people of colour to be in a school um, and, you know, and all that that came around about it. But it feels like we, we're, we've, got another, we've gone backwards. That's how it feels to me, and that we're working doubly hard to to be at a place where we should have been ages ago. Mm. And we have to do that. I think, coming back, just just, just to finish this point, is that thank God for, for, for what he says in his vision, that, you know, we are made of all tribes, of all nations. And so the church has to mirror what that looks like. And so when we're talking about intentionality in Steve's church and Mohan's churches, that's a great place to start because I think we've got a huge mandate and we can demonstrate that practically mm. over and out. Yeah. I mean, I, I just praise God for, I've been, I've been at City Gates for 31 years, 31 years. Can't believe it. And um, I'll be ready to hand it over. You know, whenever that is Olivia, probably Jesus will return beforehand. But anyway, but I, when I first walked into the church, there was a bunch of guys there, and they were mainly Caribbean. And uh, I think the thing, I think, plus we had lots of Ghanaians and different things, but those guys were, those guys, you know, had gone through the Windrush, and, and I didn't even know what the Windrush was then. Uh, but there was, you know, I used to sit down and tell me, and I used to say, tell me what happened when you first came to this nation. And it was just, it was terrible, it was horrible. Uh, but the great thing about it is that the leaders of City Gates, because I think of our international status missionary, they welcomed those guys in. They felt very welcomed. And I think that was the foundation, that built a foundation 
you know, their ceiling was my floor. You know, so they and so they accepted me, and then we started to work together. But I, I just thank God for my forefathers who went against everything, and you know, because of course we know that the church, we know that the New Testament Church of God and Steve Thompson's dad and all this kind of thing, you know, came. They had to establish because Steve was with me for for 17, 15 years, Steve Thompson. And he was, you know, I went to his dad's, uh, I went to, and Velveeta's, I went to, been to the funerals of family members. But they had to establish a church separate. They did. They had no choice. But within, there was a guy called Hardman that he, he welcomed these guys in. And not just welcomed them in, but give them positions. And I think, I think that was kind of something that I could build upon. So what I'm saying is, is that whatever we're doing now, we're building upon it. We, we're building something for the future. We must build something for the future. I, um, I think it's really important that we, we're not good as church naming uh, sin, or racial prejudice and discrimination and sin and so on. And that's, if we're going to build you know diverse churches we've got to acknowledge both the sin in our own hearts and 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 in the institutionals you know it's not uh obviously what came out of in the george floyd thing and what and i i've been reflecting on my own you know prejudice i i got even i've been a christian 20 30 years there's still be you know prejudice in my heart and we've got to and just as you know peter in the bible he uh, Pentecost, he preached a massive filled with the spirit and so on, yet there was still prejudice in his heart against the Gentiles. And that that whole, you know, naming it, we are uh as 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 a as an issue that we are that we need to repent of, you know, that we're we can still be spirit-filled, born-again Christians. And this is some just like sexual temptation, just like greed, it's an ongoing challenge. It's not like we've you make it because you're an intercultural church leader we are all we have to constantly check ourselves uh about our, our own prejudices but also name it within our community as well i think and one of the things following actually george first thing that we did as a mosaic we looked and i still sort of held to these these four things around on uh raceness race culture and ethnicity really Firstly, naming it is, is, is a challenge that we all, we all, all um, <laughs> prone to, it's a, it's a human sin. It's a human sin to dislike other, actually. <laughs> it's a human sin. We, we see it in our own life. Nation shall rise against nation, et cetera, et cetera. So name it as a, it is an issue. We've got, but we have in Jesus a cross-centered cross solution that he broke the dividing wall. Uh, uh, between Jew and Gentile, but between every, you know, just as we have freedom to be who we are in Christ because of the uh, vertical reconciliation, we have that horizontal reconciliation that I can be, you are my brothers and sisters in Christ. You are different to me, but you are my brothers and sisters in Christ. And we need to live, intentionally live in the freedom of that. And actually, this is where the intentional bit comes. We, we have to do that. And then we also need to, well, I went about the, the celebration of that. So I want to celebrate who you are, who God has made you in our in our community. We want to do that. And, and, and that's part of building that community. That, so the, the challenge, the cross-centered centered solution, the, the celebration and the community that those, I mean, I think 
I haven't. Uh, I think that I still hold on to those. These these are important things that we need to bring into into this uh, you know space really. Um, and as leaders, if we if we must hold on to that, I think. Um, and first of all, God, let God work in our own lives, but also see those values lived out. You know, how do we how do we then share that in the vision and in the practice of what we do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe, I don't know whether I'm just, you know, but we never, we don't mention these terms very often in church, <laughs> really, yeah. because uh, we do, we do on the leadership, but we just don't, we just don't mention them. We just, you know, we, as a, as a, as a, as a leader um, of a diverse church, you know, um, I think if you would come to us with just, like for example, I don't I don't lock myself away on a Sunday. I do, I'm with the people uh, straight away, and and uh, I've had to break that kind of mold. So I, I I just because I remember saying to someone in my denomination, Olivia, I said I don't believe for one moment that we are prejudiced, but I do believe that we are biased. You know, and uh, so we've got to be intentional in developing leadership. We've got to really be intentional. And, uh, and like I say, that I, all my leadership has come from within the church. Most of them, I think I'm only, uh, there's another, every person has been developed from within the church and not, and they are getting decent salaries. You know, they, they're not just, <laughs> they're getting pretty good salaries. You know, they're getting salaries that they're, uh, that they're happy with and uh, because that was another thing because I don't want in any way to give anybody the impression that I'm kind of releasing these people and not honouring them financially and it's all those kind of things that I've tried to develop very practically that's all I'm trying to say Premier Christian Newscast Premier Christian Newscast So we've talked about um, intentional leadership and, and making sure that the decision holders in your church reflect um, the communities that you serve really well. We've talked about celebrating cultures and, and Mohan spoke really beautifully earlier about how we do that through food, which is a really fun way of doing it. What about worship? Let's talk about worship a little bit. Um, in um, I went to an event recently at a church in Hackney. Um, it was really beautiful. The worship was um, probably one of the most um, amazing mixes of songs I recognised that were very what we what you would probably call contemporary Christian music, which let's face it is still dominated by white people in America. Um, and worship songs I didn't know that had a very distinctly Caribbean gospel flavour, and uh, mm -hmm. the way that it melded together was was I loved it. I really loved it. Um, but I've heard people speak before and say that one of the things that we sometimes do in white churches, basically, we say we welcome everybody, but then our worship, for example, is very monoculture. Um, has, has anyone got any thoughts or experiences around that? Or is that not an issue? Or how do you approach that in your settings and backgrounds? I was really hoping to have a worship leader with us this morning, but the, the, um, she couldn't make it, unfortunately. So we had an intercultural, uh, someone who was, I mean, it's a, it's a gift, you know, it's a unit of fairly 
a special gift. She studied ethnomusicology. She was uh, someone of Chinese, uh, Hong Kong, Malaysian background. So it was a gift to have, uh, and she could play different. Uh, and it was, um, yeah, it's a, it, it's, it's tricky because it's. Um, I think there's two. There's there's different aspects to it. I think there's 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 this global. I think there's a global issue here around West. So I'm thinking Western Christendom, actually, that has dominated the the, the world Christianity landscape for the last uh, 1400 years, of which I am a testimony to. You know, missionaries came to uh, Sri Lanka from Britain and uh, America and whole villages in the north of Sri Lanka came to faith in Christ and I'm I'm one of that part so I'm really grateful for that but with that also came a cultural you know a bit to it and now the church we know the church is growing worldwide you know in the global south Africa Asia South America there is a bit there is this thing about you know what what are we learning from the global church now as well you know what what can we so when we you know should they be sing, singing you know, Western hymns and songs translated into their own language, or can we receive? So is there something about receiving from the global church and learning? And some, so for me, I don't know any Farsi, but we were had Iranians in our church and just some of the lovely songs that we sang in Farsi, and you should see them come alive with that. And we sang in English because there's something about, we obviously, we have to connect with understanding here because I mean, you know, when, when you hear languages, we don't know. So there's about we have to connect about uh, so there's, it has to be um, there has to be understanding. But with that also comes a blessing, you know, just as we uh, re uh, and a receiving from the world from other cultures. There's a real richness there that is very special, actually. Yeah. But it is complex. It's not simple uh, to, to, to negotiate, to train worship leaders in that. And But if you've got, you know, we all have people from different nationalities, in, well, generally, if in London or whatever, Birmingham, we can bring, ask them to bring a, bring a song from their heart and let's use, again, use the cultural richness within our churches to bring something of, of the kingdom and celebrate with them. And, let, and receive so I think again we're pushing into difficult space but it's and it is messy it's not easy but and there is a sacrifice involved for those who's that where it's not your heart language we have to sac but we're sacrificing for the sake of the body for the sake of those brothers and sisters who then who come alive you know with a song that is from their own heart 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 language so yeah I think it's I think it's really complicated with with worship actually because um there's there isn't one culture of of how we should do worship if you mm. if I'm talking from a southeast london perspective and then from an intergenerational perspective yes. there are so many different ways you can worship and I just don't think it's going to be so many different expressions of, of worship mm. but I just think it's impossible for you to 
if there is a church out there who seems to tick every box and every nationality and every subculture and every generational musical style, then please let me know and I'll, I'll sign up immediately. And therefore, I think from a leadership perspective, you have to make a decision, which is not always easy, on, on, on the style that you go for. And I know... There, <laughs> You know, I, I've been in situations where you think a particular demographic of your organisation will prefer a particular type of music and actually you're completely shocked. Like, you know, I, I know young black kids who absolutely love a Matt Redman style of, of, of worship and because they are third generation um, black kid children, they, they don't connect with maybe what their parents or the grandparents could be into. Mm. So, so I think we just, I, I think it's important in the same way. I think, you know, we can talk about food and we can talk about worship and all that type of stuff, but I don't think it's as important as, as, as what the church brings in terms of, of, of love and understanding of the communities they're serving. So, so for example, I'm, I'm a lot more interested in, sermons which um connect with the issues that the communities the communities that you're serving are dealing with i'm much more interested in when you have people praying um and depending on the type of church you go to you know whether it's kind of a planned prayer or it's more spontaneous from individuals are those prayers really speaking into the the, the community concerns are, are are we churches which are um reactive or proactive and you know if, if we talk about george floyd but the problem about talking about george floyd it, it it almost gives people a bit of a a pass because we can talk about george floyd and we're like well we spoke about george floyd three years ago and it was great you know we look at all the great we're not talking about in the london context chris cabber being killed by police officers are we praying about a child cue situation where a young girl is is unlawfully strip searched while she's on their period and how that impacts the communities around us. We know mm. we're not talking about the numerous stop and searches which happen to black and brown communities. We're not talking about the disproportionality mm. that black mm. and brown children are dealing with when mm. it comes to youth violence and knife crime. Are these type of things being mm. being spoken about and prayed about on a mm. regular basis? Mm. I like worship, I do I, I I'm not saying that worship music isn't important and I think a lot of this does come down to the quality of the worship leader because I've also been in situations where worship leaders have at times been very resistant to even try new things as well and that becomes complicated but for me there are just many other things which I think the church should be focused on and can demonstrate love and evangelism by just stepping into the less obvious community needs. Again, I'm, I'm not against the amount of money which was raised for Ukraine, but I do find it fascinating that that level of money which was raised is nowhere near some of the stuff which we could raise for local issues, particularly those impacting like ethnic minorities and black and brown communities. So yes, worship's important. Yes, you know, the fact that you might have somebody with a tambourine or doing something in their native language, fantastic. 
but it all feels a little bit has the potential to be superficial if underneath we're still not really giving a monkeys about the, the issues which the communities you're serving are dealing with mm. and do you feel ben like historically that sort of white church leaders have not done that they've not stepped up and, and well i think you've got i've got to be careful that i don't make a generalized statement because i, I don't know every church and i don't know every church leader so i can only talk from my perspective and in the research which i did for when i was writing my book and other um people who i've spoken to since then I think um, George Floyd's murder spotlighted and highlighted what churches and church leaders have done specifically for black and brown communities or haven't done. Um, And I think there was something very spiritual and very powerful which started shining a light on things which have always been there in terms of how we deal with safeguarding how we deal with racism, how we ha- how we deal with power and the distribution of, of power and what we care about. I mean, I've, I, spoke, I, spoke, I wrote about this in the book that it's very easy for, for church leaders to do the classic things of, well, we're going to do food banks. Yes, they're important. Um, we're going to do CAP. Yes, they're important. Um, we're going to do Alpha. Yes, that's important. I'm a, I am somebody who was saved on an Alpha course. But then... Can we get more specific? And this is the cultural sensitivity element is what I'm talking about. Do you understand the hyper-local needs of your community? Okay. Um, So my whole thing about Alpha is fantastic. But if I took Alpha into my local barbershop in Southeast London, most of the people in there have been brought up in a church context. And therefore, the the un, who is God, <laughs> you know, who is Jesus? How do you read your Bible? You know, all the classic alpha things. It's like, well, most people be like, well, I know this. What I don't know though is maybe can we talk about the numerous other African religions, which um, in some cases predate Christianity. You know, can we can we talk about some of that stuff, or can we talk about imperialism? Can we talk about this 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 consistent desire to have a white Jesus and can we also talk about why the money which churches bring in often don't filter down to 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 the working class communities this is these are really complicated conversations which I know speaking to people make or break their decisions whether to come to Jesus Mm. and I think sometimes we can just focus so much on the superficial stuff Yes, we, we're going to have our diversity day and we're going to bring different foods together. I don't care. If I want different foods, I'll go to my takeaway. I'm not expecting church to be the place where I'm going to get like a, a, a variety of food. It's a nice, it's very nicey-nicey. But yum, in some cases, people are dying. People are, are facing extreme discrimination. And when we talk about Jesus standing up for the, the minorities, where does that come out in, in, in the church? And Olivia, I'm with you. And when you said about George Floyd, I'm like, nothing has changed. Let's just be really real. George Floyd was murdered horrifically in 2020. Three years later, we had our moment where everybody was like, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And we're going to change the world and we're going to do diversity. You only got to look in the news. How many diversity leaders in the BBC and beyond have now been sacked or have left? And I speak to a lot of church leaders and it's often like, no, we've solved racism. Let's move on. Ben, why are we still going on about this? Let's, let's, let's move on. Let's keep talking. And 
I apologize. I don't apologize. I was about to say I apologize. I don't apologize for me bringing the tone back to the specifics. The question we all got to ask ourselves as leaders, I do think actually everybody has prejudice in them. I do think that is that I'm I'm sorry, that is just that is the bottom line. It's not bias. There's prejudice. Mm. I have prejudice. Mm. Everyone has prejudice. I've got to unlearn some things in my family, which is, is not helpful. There's things which I grew up in with prejudices, which I am still at 45 years old trying to unpack. So the idea that we don't have prejudice is a myth. We all have it. We are very good at hiding it. We are very good at making it very Christianese and saying X, Y, and Z, but ultimately the prejudice is there and we just got to acknowledge it. And if we don't acknowledge it, we're just not going to get to the to the root cause. And it's sin. Racism is, 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 is sin. But to say that we haven't got prejudice, I just think is is, is a dangerous way to, to go into this conversation. Good. I agree. <laughs> I absolutely agree with, with, with so much of that. Sorry, back to you, Emma. Ben's <laughs> put himself back on mute. I was just leaving some space if anyone else wanted to respond. No, because I mean, I, I think I think Ben's articulated some of that really, really well. Um, you know, I, I understand the thing about worship, and I was I was what, what my contribution would be is that I, I used to go to a large church in Birmingham, um, and worship styles was up to the pastor, the senior leader. The worship leader perhaps didn't have very much of a say in it they may be able to choose the songs and sometimes if it's a particular Sunday we may be swayed to do something different but it depends on the leader of that church if they will have enough confidence in their worship leader depending on the style that the worship leader chooses to choose uh, and to, to reflect the congregation so the worship leader in in that church that I went to just just fancy just like soft rock and that was just it and it was great and we were blessed and you know we could have communion and we could do a whole range of all, all sorts of different things but soft rock was what it was and hill songs was what it was and and, and that was it you know but I, I used to love then going to other churches which is my church tradition is um church of god of prophecy which is a black majority church what one would say uh, by definition and hearing reggae played and dancing to that and just you know the gospel side so and going to Asian churches where I'm like, yeah, this is this solid jams here going on. So, you know, you know, it depends on who heads that church. It's not just a congregation of people on a Sunday, but how are they interwoven? How, how can that help? But you've also got to name it. And I think perhaps what Ben's not saying, but I will, I will, I will definitely say that some of our leaders are prejudiced. Some mm. of our leaders Mm. white leaders are have got a preference whether you talk, talk the truth olivia did talk, I'm, I'm telling talk the truth but I'm, I'm like, come I'm on like it is. as a black female i see that right okay that i would expect i'm not I'm not saying that steve i'm just saying no, this is my no experience. no that's fine honestly, honestly and, and it's, and not, it's hard absolutely. sometimes i think what we do and i'm of a generation and and ben's of a different generation to me but i'm of a generation where my parents taught me you see, you don't say it there. You talk about it at home. You don't, you don't call it out. You don't call it out as well as you would want to because 
you know, we're trying to, other generation, try to assimilate, you know, don't call it out. And when I talked about the anger that I felt before, I was like, I've had enough of, of trying to assimilate. And unfortunately, this is in churches as well as in the in the um, in other sectors too. Mm. I've seen it. I see it, mm. and I'm calling it out because I see it. It's good. It's good. Yeah. One of the things that is uh, becoming apparent to me is this uh, this discussion develops. I think what what the, one of the things I was trying to get at was practical practical ways we can build a, a church that reflects all of the people in the congregation. And some of that is, I, I guess, seemingly superficial stuff like music and food, etc. Some of them are very important, and and particularly when we when we think about um, churches like the one Mohan's led in particular, when you're when you're then adding into that mix different languages which is not so much of a barrier in all parts of the church when you're talking about black and white people worshiping together but still is in some contexts obviously and then the difference again between that how like Olivia you were talking about feeling like you always needed to assimilate and I guess that was one of the things I was trying to unpack does that does that happen in like Ben was saying the prayers the sermon the way we we worship the food we're given is is that all part of that assimilation or you know like you've suggested Ben obviously some of those things are more serious and some of them are more could be deemed more superficial and then there's that whole other level I think Ben that you took the discussion up to which I totally appreciate is it's, it's it's an important discussion one that we need to have which is and then how do we outwork that in our community and I guess really in some respects where the rubber hits the road it's it's all very well to yeah. to get sorted what happens on a Sunday morning and say our mm -hmm. worship reflects our community and our food is lovely and diverse and no one's feeling left out because we're doing it this way rather than that way and that doesn't reflect their culture and their language and their heritage and what they do at home but that only goes so far if we are not willing to tackle the really hard yeah. happening in the world around us i mean i mean that be a fair summary i think it's a fair summary i think what i would just say is that the, the and this, i think this is true across multiple different sectors the culture of any organization is set by the leaders okay that is just standard okay if wh whatever i whatever i whatever my values are whatever i believe will trickle down throughout my organization good or yeah mm -hmm. so therefore we really do need to look at our leadership structures first okay and you, you take the church of antioch and it was a the leadership <laughs> was a representation of, of the, the the many different um types of people in that the community was we're serving and I think we have to go deeper. I think if we really want to represent our community, I don't know the communities. If you've got um, a strong South Asian base in your church, then you have to ask yourself, does the, is, is the leadership representing that? If you've got a lot of Black and Caribbean and African people, is, is the leadership representing that? But I'm going to go deeper. Sometimes we can also make the mistake of saying, well, I've got one Black person on my, on my on my leadership team and we then have this monolithic approach to think well that person then represents the, the all the black people and it's like well no you know have you got Caribbean people on your on 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 your leadership team do you have 
intergenerational uh, people? Do you have an older person? Do you have, you know, I think we, we don't want to go that specific, but we have to, if we are going to really try and represent the communities that we are, we are, we are serving. And a lot of it comes down to power as well. I think what I would like to see more white leaders do, particularly those white leaders who are um, serving big uh, uh, ethnic minority communities, you have to ask yourself, are you the best person to be leading that congregation, actually? And and this is not, uh, just to be clear, this is not me going at you, Steve, because I don't know your church. No, no, it's I okay. So no, I don't want to make that I clear. Don't get a, honestly, this this, is, a gen, this is a general just, conversation. This is a general... Just say whatever you want to. No, yeah. no, but I, I, I want to make it clear, this isn't yeah. specifically about you. Yeah. I'm yeah. just saying that there's a, there's a lot of church leaders that I know who have been in their church leadership for 20, 30 years, and they have a whole heap of black people in there and they're still at the top and I'm and and their leadership team doesn't represent the communities. And I'm like, well, that's a problem for me. As a, as a, as, as, I, as a somebody who leads an organization, I made a decision very early. I want women to be foregrounded in my organization. And I've got an all-female senior leadership team. That was a specific deliberate thing that I decided that's intentional okay because I I am well aware that when it comes to women and also women of color they don't get the positions which we often you know talk about it's normally dominated by men particularly white men so I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make that deliberate intentional move people don't want to do that in a church context because it's complicated and I think until we start doing the, the leadership thing and the power conversation Everything else becomes, because if you, I'll say this lastly, if you get that right, the worship conversation becomes easier. The prayers conversation, the, the illustrations you're using in, in your sermons, um, the heart of the community gets represented. If you've got the right people around the decision-making table, it will, it will all flow from there. That'd be my closing statement on, on, on this fantastic conversation. So Steve, you, I mean, you've already said that you have quite a diverse leadership team, um, which has been raised up from within the church. And Mohan, I'm assuming, obviously, you probably do as well. Has that been easy for you guys to, to pull that together over the years? Well, I think, um, I think, I mean, that is because I've, I've kind of been deliberate or intentional that I'm going to raise the people up from within the church. Now, listen. I'm going to be retiring about 18 months time, 12 months, 18 months time. You know, I probably will not be leading this church, but that's fine. But, you know, on my leadership team, I think I'm the only white person. And, uh, and uh, that's the way it's all developed. And, uh, uh, it will, you know, that's, that's the way it's developed. And, uh, and like all my staff members are all from within the church, all been developed from within the church. But, uh, you know, that's where we are, really. Was that an intentional decision on behalf? Yeah, yeah. It just, it just, I just didn't, I've always believed, I've always believed in, you know, I don't need to bring too many staff from outside. You know, th these are the people that you've given to me. These are the people that I'm working with. So these are the people that I'm going to develop. Uh, so I know that some leaders think, bring I was talking to one leader and they've never actually employed people from within the church so all mine you know all mine are 
from within the church. What about yours, ma'am? Uh, yeah, I mean, dive, uh, it's diverse, it was, isn't it? Um, but but didn't compromise on biblical. Oh, well, I mean, there's the challenges you don't, you know, it's not just representative or we do it for token, you know, re representation. We don't compromise on oh. biblical standards and so on. I think there's a real, yeah, I think just naming into this space a, a difficult. So one of the challenges I think will, this is for the church, is for, um, which I see a little bit in, in certainly the Anglican Church anyway, is for white Caucasian people to sit under the leadership of a non-white person. Uh, we as as people of color, we probably reduced a leadership. I, I mean, this is this is I think this is an ongoing. It will be an ongoing challenge. Not that not everyone has that, but I think it will be something. I think it will be an issue. And we're going for multi-ethnic uh, churches, um, and, and but there's also uh, 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 there's also I know that some certainly from some South Asian people who don't want to, who'd rather sit under the leadership of a white person. Than a, you know, it's complicated. It's it's, it's complicated. Um, so, but I think there is, we, we have to say that the leadership voice when we, yeah. So in the, for the church in Britain, if the church in Britain is not representative ethnically, or, you know, we don't believe that leadership was given to one ethnicity or one is it's, it's, it's given. The spirit is given to all and all ethnicities. So churches, denominations need to address this. So one of the things in Harrow, in the Anglican church, one of the most diverse areas, there's not one uh, person of uh, uh, not non one non-white leader in tw amongst 20 churches. I mean, that's it's, it's, it, this is and Tara has been diverse for, you know, a long time so that these are real key issues. I think as we push into this whole. Um, for me, this, you know, how do we how do we, you know, with the challenges of racism and all that and how do we learn? Uh, it's about it's about personal relationship. That's where we're going to learn. That's where we're going to grow interculturally. And personally, what am I going to learn? It's, it's about who do I eat with? It's about who do I make friends with, who are who has come into my home, and that is a key for me. That's a key thing. If we're gonna, if we're gonna, it's not gonna be theologically. We're not gonna learn about intercultural learning about Hinduism. We can learn about Hinduism and Islam, and we can learn about different cultures from a textbook. But fundamentally, it's about who we, you know, uh, uh, like Jesus. Who are we? Who are we mixing with? Who are we engaging with? That's how we're gonna change the world really by by our our intentional individual as leaders and then that that models something we want to see modeled you know in our communities you know who are they inviting into we've got to break new ground is it, we culturally we we want to we are we are who we are and we will have most of our hospitality and our you know friendships with people of our own culture probably and people who are like us anyway in some ways but there's a challenge to break that in some way <laughs> I, I would just jump yeah. on that just something that we haven't said really is that yeah. what's wrong with um with people who do want to stay within their own group having churches mm. that mm. that are representative largely of them themselves really and their ethnicity and I think when we're talking about spreading the gospel it's 
one person reaching their own and mm. sometimes it may be that the best persons that you reach are people that are like you that understand you your language mm. your food your culture and so we, we've got to have it doesn't we, I suppose we've got to get away from this thinking that it's always got to be um everybody that oh, oh, that mirrors heaven because sometimes it just won't be like that you know, you know I'm, I'm I'm always challenged by the Apostle Paul because he. If oh, that's any, Steve. Steve, I thought you'd gone. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm not left yet, but I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm going to leave. But the Apostle Paul always challenges me. He was a Jew above all Jews, but God sent him to Gentiles. Yeah. You would have thought that he would have been the best person to evangelize to go to the Jews. Jews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but he actually was. He was actually commissioned to go to the Gentiles. So, you know, so there is that. You know, there is that crossing over. And uh, yeah, and, uh, so that is another very big, difficult conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh it's man, been, yeah, yeah lots of lots of <laughs> you've not even scratched the surface, Emma. No, I've not. I honestly, I wanted to talk about you know, because I've, I've you know, um, I think it was Mark Sturge when he wrote the piece of Windrush on the history of the Black Pentecostal Church, he made that that point very clearly that, um, actually, you know, some black people didn't want to go to Anglican yeah, Church. Yeah, why, why would you yeah. want to when well, you're not welcome? Yeah. You know, probably something that Mohan, you've got quite a lot of experience of because you've got the added language thing on top of everything else. Like, yeah. Do you want to be forced to learn English in order? Yeah, to yeah. Or is there something about worshiping you in your own heart language that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, know? yeah. How do you and balance think, those things? Yeah, I think so. So monoethnic churches, there's nothing wrong with those. I think it's, and I think it can be a useful, you know, uh, especially expressing in your heart. I think there's something about the gospel that takes us uh, to to if that's if that's that God wants to bless us with really I think uh, an both and yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's do you know what I'm saying yeah 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 it's not so I, I think uh, it's not saying it's not a good thing mm -hmm. I think it's it is a, you know you can certainly certainly have them I wouldn't say you can never have a monoethnic church I would say in I think something about the gospel in this context as well how do we in in a in a diverse multi-ethnic context how do we represent how do we represent the gospel uh as uh something that that does break down barriers as well so in london yeah. you, do you know what i mean i mean I, so if we, if we are it, we know that uh, we live uh, in in cultural groups and people you know certain areas are have more Turkish people and more Romanian people and whatever. And, uh, but how, so I think you can have your meeting, but I think that even, even in a monoethnic church, I would say I'd, I'd encourage them to have partnerships with other of course. people. You know what I'm trying to say? I'm sure we're on the same page on that. Yeah. You, know, you reach people within your own sphere of oh, influence. Don't you? Your, your so, sphere of influence is. Right. Uh, so, yeah. So the gospel is not bound to a mo yeah. an, an ethnic place yeah. you know when you go to work or yeah, yeah. in the nursery or wherever you go in the supermarket you are going to meet people and if Jesus is what you know and the Lord prompts you the spirit of God is prompting you to share you share and and, mm. and the gospel is not bound and, and I, I see that but but I also see as well that if 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 we're going to reach you know the challenge for reaching each person with the gospel yeah. by 2033 then each of us have got to do that. And we probably do that best with people who share our heart language. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's both and, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. not either or. I, I love to see multicultural. To me, it's just, and, and lots of Elim churches are like that. 
But a lot of union yeah. churches are not. They're all white and they're all white male and the leadership is a particular type. And that's a challenge. Did, so can I just ask you one last quick question, man? Did Mosaic yeah. start as a monoethnic congregation? Mm. and then No, he said it was intentional. So, right at the beginning. So it was easier. Yeah. It's easier it to was, It was sort of its own thing and now it's part of the main church. Yeah, yeah. I mean, partly it was practical reason. We okay. lost a lot of, I mean, for good reasons, they went to lead other, other things. Um, and I'm going to think, you know, I think I want to, and it's a challenge going back into a, a, a church that wants to embrace it in, in the intercultural values, but not, it's not there. So not there fully and, but, yeah. and the leader wants to do that, but that's fine. Uh, uh, it, it's a, it's going to be, yeah. I think we're all on a journey on, on this, and I think we me, are. Yeah, you know, Jesus is called to be commissioned to be to make disciples of all nations. So that was to a Jewish, you know, twelve Jewish blokes for, <laughs> as it happened. But but that's for all of it, you know. But we need to be so we if we're going to all make disciples of all nations. All of us need to be people who love leaders, especially leaders who love people from all nations and are, be, are willing to learn from people from all nations and that all nations space. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. And, I think and how we, yeah, I mean, we're on this journey together. Let's learn, continue to learn from each other. And uh, it's 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 new, it's pioneering, it's, it's going to be messy. There's messy bits to it. Yeah. Uh, and it's about saying... Uh, this this is the reality of now, but how how are we going to live in it, and how are we going to live in it and push into it? So it's it's a challenge, and a, but it needs more forms to to you know talk about the challenges and the you know the problems and so on and um, yeah. And for me, actually, it's going back into the homes probably. Actually, rather than what we felt in terms of mosaic, is maybe not the services. Obviously, church again. This is a challenge about Christendom. We focus so much on church services, building, running and buildings and stuff, especially as we go into the new. I think we're in this post Christendom phase where we're not uh, Christendom is not uh, the, the strength it was. And we need to go back to those just like acts. I think the homes and that we're sharing in a, in a small group, small. And that's where we need to be learning from diversity and from one another. And, yeah, and that's diversity. so good. Yeah. So good, Mahu. Yeah, yeah. That's it for this week's Premier Christian Newscast. But if you've enjoyed what you heard, please do leave us a review on whatever podcast app you use. And why not also tell a friend about the show? Don't forget, you can also subscribe to the podcast to make sure you get each new episode sent automatically to your phone or tablet week by week. If you've got any questions, feedback, or want to suggest a topic we should explore, you can email me at tswyatt at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Premier Christian Newscast. 